0: You are listening to Punk Theology, punktheology.com. This is season one, and in this episode, we, the punks, are asking for other punk producers. This here roundtable of rebellion has got its Help Wanted sign out, and we are looking for financial support to upgrade the audio quality, the website... Sure, you could criticize it, but what's the fun in that? Don't be a hater. Be a supporter. (laughs) If you'd like to see the audio quality cleaned up, we want to hear from you. We believe these messages are important, and maybe you do too. So, like Carlton over in Saskatchewan, Canada, who does not want this show riddled with ads every 10-15 minutes, right? How about you? You sick of podcasts being riddled with ads? So are we. We're rebelling against it. This cat gives monthly to support,
1: to encourage
0: the, uh, how shall we put it, punk talk arts. And we'd love to have you along with us as well. Punktheology.com. Click on the uh, Patreon link right there on the website or... PayPal, and if you would like to give, man, just one time or monthly, we would certainly appreciate it, and it would help with the audio quality of this podcast. That's the first thing we're going to be investing in, so punktheology.org.com.info, it's all there. Joining the Ridiculous Six... (laughs) (laughs) That would be John, Arthur, Steve, Chuck, Derek, and I. This is not an Adam Sandler movie, no. At least not this week. Joining us on the panel this week, special guest, honored and humbled to have him on, my friend Seth Taylor. Ah, yes, I know. All right, thank you. You've heard him on the Bad Christian podcast, drunk ex pastors, losing our religion, even love line. We talk about that some here. So, having Seth Taylor on turns us from the six to the uh, the silly seven. Uh, I don't know. That's what we're going to be in this episode. Here you go, kicking it out.
2: It's interesting because you're talking about how you guys are engineers, more linear thinking. I'm, I'm a paint splat, totally abstract. <laughs> but but it's no different in the sense that survival is survival. You know, maybe I'm a more, uh, you know, naturally intuitive kind of personality. But what's weird is that. I mean I still when I was thirty three years old I couldn't feel a thing. I mean not a thing. besides rage. Rage was the only thing I had. And that rage was so intense, I mean that I mean it was it was just you know, I mean it was freaking insane. But it was one of those things where where eventually, you know, you start to realize that I mean it's just pure survival it's that programming. But it's the same thing, like like, you're, you feel this thing kind of come up, and it almost like the emotion rises, and it hits a wall for some, some reason, and it feels like you're trying to push the Columbia River through a little pinhole. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And it's just exhausting to even try to feel it. Well, that's programming that has happened through your brain chemistry and through in your entire body of pushing that emotion down, because it's not safe to feel it.
1: Uh, well, kind of like we're, Arthur, when I, that first Sunday, or that first Thursday we met here, and. He goes, I'm just flat out of give-a-fucks.
3: Part of us accepts that. And there's other parts of it, too, where we have our managing and coping mechanisms that suck, but they work well enough that it just holds the pain at bay from time to time. But you're living on that edge where something can trigger it, and then you go into this downward spiral of, of... you know, tapes playing in your head about your story, about your victimhood, about everything that's happened and that's happening again, and, and you end up in that dark place again. Like, right. when you talk about your trauma, think of it like a bowl, you know? There's so many ice cubes in this bowl. We start
2: pulling
4: them out, there's less. And what the fuck's wrong with me? I didn't go through some of this bullshit that, it, you know, like, I didn't go through anything terrible. It's just, you know, low grade, you know, but, you know, it 18, years, 18, just 18 years of it, apparently,
5: Yeah.
6: Yeah. Oh That's
0: yeah, right. big time. It leaves yeah. wounds, scars.
6: But it's, you know, and so we're gonna, yeah. With, you know, whether we touch one person or a, a million people or whatever it is, we're gonna be able to connect with somebody. and That excites me because, well, yeah. Like I said, I'm in the middle of this. I don't know what to do. Well, no, I. My brain tells me what to do, and my heart says, "Fuck you," kind of thing. Right. It's gonna hurt.
5: You won't even know me apart from this whole world that shares my fate. This one last bullet you mentioned it's my one last shot of redemption. Cause I know to live, you must give your life away. And I've been housing all this doubt and insecurity. And I've been locked inside that house all the while you hold the key. And I've been dying to get out. And that might be the death of me. And even though there's no way of knowing where to go. I promise I'm going because I gotta get out of here. I'm stuck inside this rut that I fell into by mistake. I gotta get out of here. And I'm begging you, I'm begging you, I'm begging you. I'm begging
0: you, begging <laughs> you oh Do what? I? I don't know. So, hey, Punk Theology, this is episode number nine. I just uh, put the deal in the... In the I just put the gun in the holster. I don't know. Chambered around. Chambered around. Chambered around. <laughs> like it's that. live. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, one you, we have a guest today on the podcast, and somebody brought up, I forget which one he was, but I don't know if you had, you guys have all had kids, we're all dads here, right? Yeah, we yeah. are. That's right. So, I don't know if you've ever heard of that thing where you pull the thing and there's like little farm animals on it and it goes... A cow goes, uh, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> and so, and so I thought we could do that today because some people are probably listening, and if they didn't listen to the first episode, they have no idea who we are. All right. So, if you hear this voice, this is me. I'm Russ Shaw, the host, uh, and I'll and I'll hand it off to Chuck. And if you a, hear a Chuck you know, goes, a, a Chuck goes like this.
6: <laughs> Don't know really what else to say <laughs> other than that. Right.
0: <laughs> That's right. we're both Chucks. I'll, I'll add that because we have a bottle of Charles Shaw here, which is actually my fucking name.
4: Seriously. <laughs> it is. Long time I
0: got carded at Trader Joe's and they had a. They're like, oh my god, Charles Shaw is here! Hey,
3: come check this out! Look at his driver's license!
5: That's the stupidest
0: fake
3: ID I've
5: ever seen.
0: But, you know, I'm old age. I don't One know bottle what they card me in the first place. But, so yeah, we got two Chucks in the house.
6: I knew a Snohomish County sheriff. um And when his kids were little, he, you know, they were going through that, you know, what does a cow say, what does a sheep say, Uh and he would teach his kids, he would say to them, what does a police officer say, and they would all start oinking like this, and really taught your kids, (laughs) oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) because it's great, (laughs) they must be white, No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so oh, well, yeah, just as white as Jesus is here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I had red hair when I was a little kid, that's why people call me Russ, so Russ stuck. Because people were calling me Rusty and my dad <clears> didn't <throat> like it, right? My dad's like, He's an adult now, call him Russell. Russell's his name. Don't call him Rusty anymore. My old he didn't say Chuck? <laughs> no, no, he didn't. No. Well, he, you know, the junior thing. I think he was a junior too, okay. and he didn't like that, so I just kind of like, I don't want to pass on. Mm-hmm. That. You don't have to be Chuck Junior or whatever. So there was that. Anyway, I've solved that dissonance. Steve, as Steve goes. <laughs> yep, that's about
5: right. He's <laughs> it.
0: quiet There's a mouse. I don't know. I thought you were going to see, he's waiting to rip one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
5: know what
1: a Steve goes.
0: Huh? Steve. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> yeah. Huh? So, this is Steve. He's the, uh, the boomer in the group. So, the we only got boomer. 10Xers, boomers, and millennials. So, yeah,
1: the only boomer. The only Steve. boomer. <laughs> Thank you, Steve, sir. Being the wise counsel yeah, yeah. the elder learning the elder I get the more I know I don't know
7: right. and John I'm John I need make all kinds of noises and sounds yeah. uh, Why don't You make the, including the I lighter the noise right so
0: we're smoking cigars and drinking different forms of alcoholic beverages so if you hear that that's John's lighter do that I, again I, I
7: was asking Russ earlier if he could edit it out <laughs> uh, TMW noise there's too much work. But uh, yeah, I make that noise sometimes. That's right. Uh, one of the token Gen Xers, uh, among other things, I'm sure come out a lot. There That's you go. Another ex Mars guy. Yeah. Well, that's Redemption not, group leader, like one
0: community top, group leader, like one of the top twenty things I used to describe myself. <laughs> <laughs> know, okay. It's always interesting at the point in the conversation when your neighbor starts up his car. By the way, which the listeners always reach out. Yeah, right. That's a. That's a. You could put that on a. I don't know sound effect. Type. That that dude's car. That's we didn't add that in. By the way, Derek. This is Derek's garage that we were in, he, the studio. He is uh, gracious enough to let us record in this fine uh, environment. Well, this is
4: what my voice sounds like, but I don't have any clever anecdotes. So. <laughs> no, you that's, that's Derek. And Arthur.
0: is over here
3: with a cigar. This is Arthur. There you go. I still don't
0: know why I'm here.
4: (laughs) (laughs) We just keep forcing you to come. That's right.
0: And our special guest today, Seth Taylor, who is uh, slumming it, coming over to Punk Theology. You've been on some some pretty uh, influential shows. You've been on uh, The Drunk Ex-Pastors, Losing Our Religion. Uh, you were on Love Line with Dr. Drew. Remember that? <laughs> were you really? Yes, <laughs> he can't <was>. see <laughs> okay. It was bad, oh but you was on Love Line for like what three seconds
2: or something like yeah, that. It was about that. Yeah, it was. It was pretty ridiculous. I think I, I think they gave me twenty seconds. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it was the dumbest thing ever. Craig Craig Gross calls me out of nowhere. Hey, there's this uh, thing. We, can you do this thing tonight on on, uh, on the Dr. Drew Love Line show? Um, they're, talk, they're talking about porn addiction. And I was like. Uh, what is it? And he's like, Well, you know, it's the thing deal. I'll just come to you briefly, it's a talking heads thing and it'll be a chance to you know, maybe you get a chance to plug the book. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, wasn't that at all.
6: <laughs> no,
2: it no, I was the token <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was the token, token porn addict. Christian porn yeah, addict this guy
5: was a Christian and he says he's not a porn addict anymore let's go to this guy <laughs> <laughs> it was
2: like it wasn't it wasn't, authors, <laughs> it wasn't it was just All right. Christian porn addict so okay, yeah, yeah. God, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah so, so, so he's I mean, just like,
3: masturbating <laughs> oh, man, it was the funniest thing ever
2: That's man and they're, like, and they're like yeah I got about 20 seconds of, and it was just Oh what the hell just happened? <laughs> right. It was like and it was Skype on TV too. Too. yeah. You know, too. It, yeah. it was on television. It was yeah, on actual yeah. live
0: television. And that's what it said too, the caption underneath your face was point Christian Born. <laughs> <ed.
2: laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I remember, I remember thinking that was one of those ones you'll look back someday and just laugh your ass off, you know.
0: It's mean? <laughs> the funniest thing. Because it like, you know, keeps you nice and normal. good. Yeah. It pissed me off that I saw it. I'm like, oh my god. Because they they just totally misrepresented you and where you were coming from. Yeah. Because they kind of put you as the token, right. well, religious porn on a guy. Well, I
2: just, I just laugh because I was like in that mode where I'm trying to figure out, how, you know, first time author, how do you market stuff? You just say yes and just do shit, right? And uh, right. yeah, after a while, I learned some good lessons.
3: <laughs> you don't see the song. book numbers go right up. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I'm pretty sure that was. A, well, luckily it was so quick that I'm pretty sure no human
0: being that watched that and remembers who I am. <laughs> so it's
2: all good. I do.
0: So you wrote a book called uh, Feels Like Redemption that was published by X Church, which is the largest Christian porn site on the internet, right? <laughs> Christian porn site, exactly. <laughs> yeah, go yeah. there it out. So uh, it, it, welcome, and you and I are friends. I had you on another podcast I do, and, and uh, we kind of hit it off with a lot of stuff in common. Um, a lot of our, our kind of messed up church roots as well. Which is some of the topic of <laughs> punk yeah. theology, yeah. thinking outside the box. Some um, so, welcome
7: Seth. Thank you, thank you for having me. I for those it. listening, Derek's uh, garage, aka our studio, is just below the Canadian border. Yeah. So thanks for driving all the way up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 we're at Everett, Washington,
0: yeah. the uh,
7: birthplace. That's where all the I finally refer to Derek's place is uh, South Marysville. <laughs> yeah, thank you for
5: that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
7: So yeah, before we turn into Detroit and
0: all the planes are made in South Carolina, like most of the cars, this is where planes are born. <laughs> Boy, planes! For now, largest
4: building in the world by That's
0: right. Yep, yep. So, Chuck Everett, Everett, <laughs> we're proud Evertonians. E-town, Chuck. I wanted to hand it off to you as. Uh, you, you know, expressed going through some shit. We are talking, the topic of the podcast today is dealing with our shit, or it. one shit, part two, and it has a subtitle, which is Shit Management. Or lack <laughs> of. So, or lack of. <laughs> or lack of. <laughs> and that's... Well, it, <clears throat> so we can unpack what shit management means to everyone, but for, for... I, I wanted to,
6: yeah, kick, kick, have you kick this thing off. you going, oh, i Yeah. You alright? I'm alright. Okay. (laughs) And that, I've, uh, yeah, since we've been kicking around this idea, I've always added the, or not. And that's, I'm in the doorway right now, with dealing with my shit. Um, it's, it's pretty heavy. Um, and I've always been, just super, shamed about it, scared, of the reactions, and, well, I remember, I knew you a little bit, and I remember the first time we actually connected was, um, I was sitting in church <clears throat> and I was talking to Chuck Hickman and I was just like, Hey, listen, I got I got some fucked up shit and he's like, Yeah what? Come on, you know, just spit it out. Mm-hmm. So I, go, I I was molested when I was a kid. And I'm just bawling. Mm-hmm. Just instant tears.
0: Was that the first time you shared that with someone?
6: No, no. The first time I shared that was a couple of years afterwards. I was a Mmm. Yeah, it is the first time a long school. time. Yeah, a whole long time, decades.
0: Yeah. But what, share that about high school when you did talk about it. What Was a Christian counselor or something like that? No,
6: well, I started, my parents uh, didn't know what to do with me because I was acting out. Mm. And they dumped me off at this, this place called The Doorway. It was a great, great establishment. They were right in the community, uh, helping out the, all the kids that either didn't have homes or their parents didn't know what to do with them. and It was a place to hang out so they didn't get in trouble. Um, and they offered counseling. So my you know, they dumped me off the door and I'm meeting this lady Joyce and just sitting in there like like, Really? You want me to just open up to you? Like I don't even know you, kind of thing. <clears throat> the day I was gonna just tell her what was going on, I go up to her office and the secretary's there and she's like, Oh yeah, Joyce isn't here today. You're gonna meet with like John or Jack or whoever the hell he was. It's like great. I wanna tell a dude this? Like, no. Yeah. You know, like it's and then yeah, just, so it's just, I'm going to be closed off about it. I had a, then pushed forward to high school, I had a youth pastor that wanted me to give a testimony. <clears throat> and that was pretty difficult, because it's like, okay, here you are as a high school kid, and you're supposed to share some, you know, something that happened in your life and how God moved you, or I just made a bunch of bullshit up made up of my real testimony too, you know, it's like I'm going through this shit. Haven't told anybody, you know, I don't know what to do. The day goes to where I'm going to share with the youth group and like the power's out at the church or some damn thing. And so no youth group. Next week, some massive blizzard, no youth group. The next week it's just got canceled for some other random things. It just goes on and on. I mean, four or five weeks in a row, it just got canceled. And my youth pastor meets with me and he's just, he says, Yeah, Satan really doesn't want you to share your story. I'm like, nah,
5: I don't want to share my fucking story. <laughs> like, every
6: time I come up to this building, it's closed. I'm like, Hallelujah. I don't got to share this shit. Um, I don't know. You know, it's sometimes I tell myself it's of God because I was wrestling with it and he wanted me to share. And I just said, F you. <clears throat> Who knows why what happened happened. So I shared the bullshit story to all of my peers. And afterwards I met with a youth pastor and he's like, That was a bunch of shit, you know, it was crap. You didn't prepare for it, you know, I really asked you to do this and
0: So he's like chastising you for it? kind of. Okay. So, so he like smelt maybe that <laughs> read
6: somebody's testimony. <laughs> right. Well Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we need you get. Got an, I got an F, I guess. Uh, so. okay. And I I got really pissed off at him, and I I had both the papers there, and I threw the real one at him, and I just you know looked at him, and I was like I was raped, and just left it like that, you know. And he's staring at me, and he's like, "Well, do you have issues with porn?" Gotcha. It's like yeah. you gotta be fucking be kidding, right? That's his like, first question. <laughs> like, uh, oh. now I'm gonna have a great day. You you know, goodbye. Oh. And that was the last time I really talked about it. So, fast forward to just, you know, a few years ago, sitting in there with bawling my eyes out the chuck. Like, and he's like, I'll be right back. (laughs) Like, (laughs) fuck me. Like, I'm done.
5: (laughs) it's "It's over. Like,
6: Like, no, like, fuck everybody. This is stupid. I'm just gonna jam it back in the box, because it's worked. Um, Well, then you came over, and the rest is I'm still there. I'm still trying to well deal with it. So so that's how, that's
0: how I met Chuck was, was Chuck Hickman goes, "Hey, I've um, <clears throat> got a guy who's struggling with some of the stuff that you talk about. Um, you need to meet him right now." And I'm like, okay, you know, And at first I thought it was boring. <laughs> 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 <I'll be honest. laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm like, oh, we must try. To <laughs> go oh, porn. Then you, when you dude, when you, <laughs> when you when you shared your story, my heart sunk. You know. Yeah. And I even teared up a little bit. So you and I are, you know, talking about this stuff, and I'm getting weepy. And people are walking by talking about, oh, somebody brought you know crumpets this week or whatever. You know. Yeah. And uh, and, and but yeah, man. God bless that church is for for what it is. You know. I don't agree with Hickman on a lot of his uh. You know, theology stuff, but that yeah. cat that cat loves people. He yeah. He actually you no, know, he does one step better. He actually likes people. Yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. <laughs> is, yeah, yeah he does. Is, <coughs> is more work. It's more, more work.
0: Yeah, yeah. So props for, for Hickman there. Anyway, I'm
6: sorry. Um. I jumped in. No, it's fine. Um oh. Between No, I guess that was after I my wife left me, or ex wife now. Um and so it's just, you know, certain events just keep snowballing. And where, it, when I got to that point, it was just my, my ex-wife, I found out she was cheating on me and she didn't want to resolve the marriage. And <coughs> so it's just more shit to put in the box. and I couldn't do it anymore. And so I started dealing with the, um, the fact that she left me and the circumstances behind that. And it's just crazy. I mean, um, and it felt good but there's for some reason there's a hang up with wanting to actually deal with the fact that I was raped when I was a kid you know it's there's we were talking earlier on you know uh, messenger it's like so great I get to do this yet again sit down in a room with a complete stranger and just vomit up my life and be like there you go fix me now kind of thing Mm. and it's just it's scary for me um
1: What's scary for
6: you? you
0: don't have to do that. Yeah, I'm sorry. But anyway, go ahead. What,
6: what's, what's what am I afraid of? You? The first thing that comes to mind is that it's not gonna be any different than mm-hmm. what I'm dealing with now. So I put forth all this effort to deal with the shit and it's I still have it. It's still a wound that hurts. The other is the the shame in it. I don't know why I feel shameful for it. Uh uh-huh. And statistics, are just mind-boggling on how often it happens.
0: One out of five for men, one out of four for women. And I think that statistic is That's just what's behind It's
6: like, nope. yeah. That's, yeah. And so it's, you know, why why should I feel shame for something that happens all the time? I, you know, I just, I don't know why I do. Um, and then it's afraid that I'm just going to be judged and be looked at differently.
4: That's really fucking shitty. I'm sorry that happened to you.
0: Yeah, me too. We should have that. Yeah. thanks for talking about it publicly, because...
4: It took some ball. Yeah,
0: it took Well, and that's,
6: balls. and that's another thing, too, that why I... You know, when you asked me about doing this, I'm like, Pff, really? Like, okay. But then it excited me, because it's... I do have a story. Just, you have a story. Mm-hmm. Arthur has a story. Steve has a story. John, Derek. For some reason, your name comes <laughs> to mind. Seth, Seth, Seth,
5: Seth has a story. Seth Taylor, our special guest. I can't even <laughs> remember
6: our special guest Our guest. Our, our guest has
5: a story. story.
6: <laughs> but, it's, you know, and so we're going to, yeah, what, you know, whether we touch one person or a, a million people or whatever it is, we're going to be able to connect with somebody, and that excites me because, well, yeah. like I said, I'm in the middle of this. I don't know what to do. Well, no, I my brain tells me what to do, and my heart says "fuck you," kind of thing. Uh-huh. It's gonna hurt. Yeah. Well, kind of like
1: we're Arthur when I that first Sunday or that first Thursday we met here, and he goes, "I'm just flat out of give a fucks," and that's kind of where I got, because I just I was out of give a fucks. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just throwing my shit out on the table because I'm tired of it. I'm tired of holding it. I'm tired of hiding it. And, and mine is this anger. I am mean, it's angry man. It's on violence. And I was told my whole life, don't be angry. Well, fuck it. I am angry.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And what do I do with it? Well, you shouldn't be. I know I shouldn't be, but give me tools. Give me reason. And for me, I'm at that point. Okay? Like Arthur, I'm out of give fucks.
5: Where are
4: you at right now, Chuck? After sharing that,
6: how was that? Where are you at? My, my heart's racing. I'm all fucking red. I feel red at least. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean it's um, I'm fighting the feelings, and that's, it's part of my biggest issue. Is I don't feel anything anymore. I used to You're be getting to
0: where you're feeling, dude. <laughs> I'm so proud of you for that because that that's, that was tough for me too. You get to where you you can let some tears come. I mean, I just I drowned
6: them. Um, you know, for in high school, I drank a bunch. Um, I started drinking the day I got my driver's license, and then that didn't work anymore. So I started smoking dope, and then I just both it together because I was even better. Um, thankful I never did any of the other shit. Um, I found other coping mechanisms for feelings. Um, Just, yeah, I'd always joke that I got three of them. One's dead, the other one's drunk, the other one just don't fucking care. And it's, what the sad part is, it's probably where I am.
0: But as you're sharing tonight, I can see you coming out of some of that. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, that's one of the questions that, that kind of prompted the part two of this episode is, I is had asked the question, like, because I thought the listeners would be interested in, in what, what <coughs> our responses would be on this, and I'm interested in what you guys have to say about this, but why, why don't we deal with our shit? Yeah, that's what And, then, and then why didn't, you know, so I guess if, if you've dealt with a lot of your shit, then, then you know, I don't think most people deal with their shit like day one. Um, I, I haven't heard that story before.
2: Right.
3: It's always this thing happened to me, and it was a certain time ago. And and I think there's a there's a certain amount of misery that comes along with that. There's a certain amount of numbness, whether whether you're medicating, whether you're angry, whether you're. Uh, you know just emotionally numb and protecting yourself and creating a facade of who you are to hide the pain. Um, you know, I, I've my wife works with a lot of teenage girls, and uh, you know, they they work out their shit by seeking the attention of men, they work out their shit by cutting themselves, and you know, sometimes they work out their shit by killing themselves or trying to. Um, There's a lot of violent, ugly, bad, self-harming outcomes to having a pile of shit you haven't dealt with. Yet a lot of people keep on those tracks for a long time, sometimes all the way till the end. And so that's why I pose the question, why don't people deal with their shit? And I think we've already started touching on that. Because
0: it's difficult. That was the first question I wrote down in the notes, too. Are we under the tyranny of our shit, right? Until we choose to own our shit. That's part of it. And and Seth, you and I have had conversations about shit management. Like I think your book, and I I think the reason it's doing so much in, in kind of the Christian community is because all of the shit management stuff that's been written about addiction, porn addiction, for example, it just doesn't work. Like it works for a little while. But it's just shit management, right? Until we get to the heart uh, of like what Chuck just shared, mm. that's some of the heart stuff. That's dealing with the root, yeah. right? Well, we didn't just
2: we didn't deal with Chuck's root right there. Right? We talked about it. But
0: Chuck is Chuck is right. wandering into that He's wandering kind of mystical place. It's like a balloon where you kind
2: of go, you know, a little bit, you know, yeah. bit where you, you know. You know what I mean? yeah. But the, the whole idea is, I think a lot of it is. And this is the kind of the pushback I think I had. in listening to that first episode, you guys talked about it was, was uh, there. We talk about it through a certain lens. When when, um, and this we actually talked about it at Russ's birthday party. Where we even were having a little bit of that discussion between the existential and the metaphysical, yeah. right? Because the nature of trauma, okay, is is an energetic thing. So we're dealing with we're dealing with. Things that, like trauma functions in a different set of rules than what we function on. Trauma functions in a subatomic world, in the quantum world. It's an energetic component. The reason reason you're saying I'm talking about it doesn't seem to help is because there is a metaphysical component. There is repressed energy in your body. Like when you talk about anger, (laughs) you're not angry. You have anger in you, right? It's in you, right? When you talk about shame, I don't know why I feel that. You have it in you. It's contained in your body, right? I think you you said earlier about cortisol trapped in the brain in certain spaces, and when the emotion starts expressing it, well, it's fascinating. What's the connection between the cortisol and the emotion, right? Like, how does expressing emotion empty cortisol from the brain? Well, the Chinese have been talking about this for thousands of years, right? So the Indians, right? They've been talking about this idea that we have these energetic, these, these points in our body that generate magnetic fields that contain emotion, that contain actual quantum energy. And those energies have certain vibrations to them. And trauma has a very low vibrational energy. So when we talk about PTSD, which is what you're suffering from, we're talking about something. The reason PTSD functions in a... You know how we talk about the past a lot? You're talking about these events that happened as children. Children don't know how to cope with these things. It doesn't make sense to a kid's brain. A kid's brain thinks love me you love me and I love everybody and that's how it works and so when that gets disrupted they don't know how to function with it so what happens is that trauma is which you know kind of exists in an an emotional energy type of thing they don't know how to just run it through the body because they learn very quickly that it's not safe to feel these things so we push it down and it gets packed down inside these spaces inside our body and then what I would term is the ego, like we, it's a slightly different, it's a de- very different use of the word, but the ego starts to construct kind of stories and narratives that kind of keep us, help us survive what we carry. So the reason PTSD seem, doesn't seem to function on a linear timeline, okay, so like a soldier comes home from war, hears a loud noise, car backfires or something like that, and they're back on the battlefield, is because that trauma doesn't function on space-time, it's still happening. In their bodies, mm-hmm. and it's happening every second of every day, all the time, in the present. It doesn't function; it functions in the now. Trauma functions in the now, much like spirit does. So when we talk quantum, the second we go subatomic. We're, we're done with time. All right. All right. So you're you're functioning. With what's happening is all the awareness in the world in your brain is not helping you deal with the metaphysical reality of this energy being contained in your body, and it holds you down. It creates, it's, what it does, and then, and then the ego constructs like a belief system about who you are to help you survive that. Yeah. Like you were talking about the girl, the girls with suicide and self-harm and all that kind of stuff. All of these things are survival. Even suicide is a survival technique, right? It's to maintain a narrative of what I'm actually worth. So the question then becomes, is there a way to get that energy out of the body, or at least tra- transmute it, change the vibration of
0: and there, I read the book, uh, The Body Keeps a Score, is written by a psychologist in uh, Holland or something like that, or in Europe. Uh, Vander Kufi has a funny name. <laughs> but it's funny because I, I interviewed you, and, and, and before I heard about that dude's book, I would have thought you were out to fucking lunch. Like you were in, you know, this. Rob Belly kind of, <laughs>
6: <Rob> <laughs> to, use a to use a conservative Christian term,
0: but that guy is, is touching on the same stuff, and he has more nutsy-boltsy way of explaining it, but it is, it is exactly that. We, we have trauma, and it's trapped in our bodies, like that scientists have found in our DNA, not just in our brain, because that's the old way of looking at like Freudian psychology, it's all in your head, no. It's trapped in your body. Your body has DNA. That's why when they replace someone's heart, yeah. you know, you've heard of these uh, heart transplants where somebody gets a donor heart and then all of a sudden they, they like Mexican food when they never liked Mexican <laughs> food or right. they start listening to, you know, different music, change. Like because that, that memory from the, the donor is still trapped in the DNA of the heart. So there's, have, there's... Anyway.
4: I have a... I mean, I'm going in the same direction as you guys, but my explanation tends to be very different. Mm. I tend to be more less reliant on metaphysics and more reliant on all physics, I guess. Um, And my understanding, it tends to come more from an evolutionary standpoint, which is then when animals experience trauma, there's a a process that starts in their head where they, they... you know, purely emotional, they go through basically a grieving period. You've probably seen an animal do that when it goes through trauma. Where it shakes, yeah, and its yeah, eyes are wide, yeah, yeah. and and but it's just kind. Of, it's kind of there, but it's not there. And it takes about 24 hours sure. to get all the way through the process. When humans go through the same thing, they start that process, but their frontal lobe takes over to maintain control because that's where our evolutionary edge is. Is in our frontal lobe. It's yeah. not through our you know other physical capacities right. uh, and that interrupts the process right. so we, we get you know sometimes five seconds into it and then our brain interrupts it yeah. and we've got 24 hours to go and we go 15 or 20 years yeah mm. and we still haven't like it's still stuck there right yeah, like the, the brain just fucking freezes yeah. right it's not going anywhere all those hormones are trapped yeah. everything's stuck in that spot and you've got to Express that physically and go through the trauma and go through the same process that an animal's got to go through and grieve To get that shit out and it fucking sucks And again, the more you let it sit the worse it gets I feel like and and so you like,
3: think that because it's over It's right. over. That's what your frontal lobe tells you right your, your your logic says I'm no longer experiencing this trauma I'm done with it. I'll be fine. Yeah, right hand me another beer
2: <laughs> well, this, is, this is where tradition comes in. That's helpful because, like you, read, you know, you guys are all good biblical students, right? You, you read the, in the Jewish tradition. There's a tradition of how to breathe that allows the cultural surrounding allows that, that system not to be interrupted as much. Like, cultures and yeah, that. the whole space. Yeah, you, <laughs> you read about me. you read about sitting shiva, right? Like <laughs> idea right in the Jewish tradition, some of the people in the in the community come week, and they right? sit with you, yeah, and they take a week and they just sit. And they sit in silence while you, and they just hold space to you know let you grieve, and that's a, one of the problems, right? Is that you, and you guys are creating a little bit of a here, right? Ideally, right there, we would have just hit stop on the thing. We would have just laid you down right there and just went right into your body and just let you explode, right? That's that, and then you would begin to heal, right? That's that's the goal, you know. But we don't have in our culture. It's just like, well, you talked about it. Good, good job. All right, you're done. You know what I mean, and yeah. and that's the thing is there there is a whole new revival being done in the world of psychology and 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 you know Carl, everybody's talking about Carl Jung more now and going oh he wasn't such a nut you know about how all this stuff is being run in our site in our in our unconscious you know because guys are going twenty thirty years and going why am I not happy yet why am I not happy yet I've been doing therapy for fifteen years I should be happy by right now
4: yeah. tell you, I went I went through this process once correctly uh, when I was. Uh, I was twenty years old and I was in Egypt. And while I was in Egypt to girl that I we'd gone pre marital counseling. I thought the relationship was really solid. I had spent the first week of the trip talking about how we Was this like were a called. Christian thing or Oh yeah, it was a it was a mission that I was on basically. Missionary uh, It was actually a really good mission. It wasn't one of the iffy ones. Uh, uh, and uh, and she out of nowhere uh, over text message via a very shitty internet connection broke up with me mm. like very rapidly without any explanation and I was in fucking hell uh, but I don't know why it happened or why I let my ha- itself happen but I was in I like so talking to the guys afterwards they thought the first 48 hours that they were going to have to send me home because I was a fucking wreck I remember sitting in a bedroom and crying my eyes out for four hours and I don't think I've ever been to the point where I've just been so emotionally, emotionally spent that I just didn't, I literally didn't have anything left. Like I just kind of passed out afterwards, fell asleep because I was completely shot and then I and then I got up after that and I went for, which is really fucking stupid in Egypt right after 9-11 by the way, I went on a walk by myself without mm-hmm. any water and without any food and I just walked the city and got into some pretty bad parts of the city that I shouldn't have been in uh, and just and it was kind of so I've been experimenting with meditation recently, and it kind of felt like that. Like I had no idea how much time had passed. I wasn't thinking about anything. I wasn't, you know, there's not even any mantra or anything going in my head. It was just fucking empty, and I was just walking, and I didn't fucking care anymore. Uh, and then after 48 hours, I totally turned around. And the other guys talked about this too. Like, like, like I was a completely different person, and the rest of the trip went really, really well. I had some other stuff that came up later as I started to rehash it again and actually figure out what the fuck happened. Uh, It turned out she was... She did let me know that she started a relationship with my best friend at the time when I was on CZO. That was one of the other things I was dealing with. But So when I got home and started dealing with that, I didn't deal with that in quite as healthy of a manner. So uh, some of the shit came back. Uh, But in terms of how I handled it on that trip, it was actually kind of amazing how Well, that worked. Like, basically, I didn't know what the
3: fuck I was doing, but it worked. All right. I have a similar story. When I was was processing a lot of the stuff that my wife and I were going through, and when I just finally had enough of it, I spent a lot of time, it was a lot more than a couple days, uh, walking the streets of Everett, just listening to music, Usually, acoustic, without words, and 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 it would start, you know, by thinking. But eventually, I'd run out of thoughts to think because I'd been through over all the shit so many times. There was no, there was nothing new, no new angle left to think about it. And I just really started feeling mm. the pain and the and the trauma <clears> of it all. And I guess the way that I describe it, I I don't consider myself a particularly emotionally intelligent person. Um, I don't realize why I'm responding the way that I am. Sometimes I don't even respond uh, right away to things, or I I don't feel them completely in the moment, um, stuff that affects me. And so it it just took a long time, and I feel like that's because I'm emotionally stupid. Um, but, But that was healing, to just let myself actually feel. And, and and grieve pain and loss, like a death slowly and painfully.
4: Yeah. Where are you at, Chuck? You look like you're struggling with that.
6: It's just, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I want to deal with it, but I don't. I mean, it's just. I was sitting last night. And I've started doing this, and what's called meditation or whatever. Um, and you know, and I share with you guys as far as the, this memory that came in to my head, and just have no idea what the hell was where it was from, or completely opposite of what I remember as my past. And there is a humongous chunk of my time as a kid that I don't remember. And a portion of it is I don't want to, either. I don't want to remember that shit.
0: You don't have to. Because it's already... I mean, I don't think that... And I've told psychologists that, too. And I said, I don't want to walk through it or even... We did a process with your wife.
1: Yeah, we did half
0: a process. Half a process. And I got up. In the middle of it, it was weird, but uh, that's one thing I said too. I don't want to remember that shit. I don't. Wanna, I don't want to remember it. I don't, you know. And I don't remember a lot of it. What happened to me? It was. It's there's pieces missing, you know. It's uh, you. But it's. But yeah, it was in me. And, and when she did, and so I thought, you know, I, I go to Seth's house and we do this energy, uh, tread energy healing. Yeah. Um, I passed along that book that you were telling me about uh, to to my like, therapist that I'm, I'm working with now, and she. And, she, and I told her about that that night and, and she goes, well, did it help you move, you know, through, did it help you get rid of some of the stuff that you're carrying that you don't want to carry anymore? And I said, I felt lighter afterwards. Uh, and she goes, well, you know, then, then do it again or don't do it again. But yeah. 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 <laughs> She said, well, yeah, you keep going. Kind of, whatever
7: yeah, keep going yeah. What was the book? What was that? What was the book? The book You mentioned a book. You showed a book to your therapist. Oh, what was it? it was
0: the book that you, uh, trans-healing, uh, the woman from White Raven? Oh, that, oh, Rapid Transformation. Yeah. yeah, Rapid Transformation. I read that. That's,
2: that's a good book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, is it, and it has to, be like, it's important, like, because with, with you, there was a thing where, what happened, if you don't mind me saying this, like, No, go ahead. So it, right. But there was a, you had a program in your mind that I don't want to remember that. Right. And, and the second some of that really nasty shit surfaced, and it was on. I jumped up, dude. Jumped that up. was it weird, man. Because I'm, I'm just dead. like
0: breathing, right? And that's what kind of freaked me out. Because I'm just, yeah. I'm just there, laying on Seth's floor, and there's, you know, I don't know if she had candles or there's like little job. rocks that <laughs> she put on me <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And she's, she's kind of doing her thing, and yeah. and, uh, and I'm breathing. She, she she has to remind me to breathe a <laughs> <Yeah>. lot. <laughs> because that's getting out of your head, right? Because I'm so in my head. Just breathe, Russ. Just breathe. Okay, yeah. I'm breathing. And then and then uh, <clears throat> yeah, she put like a rock on it. I think the rock was cold too, but it, it touched on a cold part, like in my body or something. Yeah. And I and I and I instantly saw a flash of that dude's face. Where how my mind processes his face because I, I still don't really remember what he even what well, was a demonic entity. <laughs> what he it was a demonic
2: entity that came up that was lit that is disguises him. This is how entities present themselves. Demonic entities are a part of this, and they're not something that's not Satan's minions. They are energetic creations that our egos construct to help us survive all this pain. And it's one of the things that keeps us from being able to go in. So when you said earlier, you said some really key, you said, I wanted to do this, but I don't. Yeah. Because that's the important thing is that we have to engage that because there's parties like you wanted to heal, but you didn't too. And that's the thing it's every human being, and you guys started this whole podcast with a real question. Why don't we deal with our shit? Because if it was as simple as just being able to go... Well, I know what my shit is. Then we'd all be just happy and <laughs> successful and joyful, and we'd be like, you know what I mean? Suck me up. Right <laughs> that doesn't seem to be the case. So the question is, what is, that, what is the tension between you know, our desire or need to survive versus that, what it takes to actually be, transform and thrive? Right. Well, why is it like that? I don't know. But I, but I know this, man, is that it's, you know, it's like Jung said, okay? And he said that, that no one comes to consciousness without suffering that people will do the most absurd thing to f- avoid facing their own soul. But in the end, if we don't do the work of making the unconscious conscious, it'll dictate your life and you'll call it fate. Right? And so whatever comes up, we have to be faithful to go, I'm going to <clears throat> I'm going to see this through to the end because I'm, I'm, I'm done with this shit. You know? right. So when you say you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to go through all the memories to process the energy itself because it's just energy. You're all energy, right? We break it down. We give into some quantum physics and we break you all down. We're all made of the same shit. We're made of the same shit that the wall is and that the drinks are and the life. We're all made of the same thing. That's a relationship of energy. And so we can deal with that energy without actually necessarily always having to go into the stories. But there's also an element. There's a truth there that actually opens up the stories, that opens up that energy, that allows that energy to start flowing out of our bodies. And that's what happened right There's an entity presented itself that was disguised as that thing as a way of keeping you from it right yeah and
0: I think and I think I, I produced that in my mind somewhere to deal with it somewhere in the past well, I right? think,
2: I, and I think the entity it's a part of that construction of survival of that thing right like that thing needs to be removed or transmuted in some way to help some of that energy flow out of your body and that's where we start to see radical shifts so something but how do you
0: I don't know You, I, state, I, you the, the skeptic in me says <laughs> right. you know I don't know about demons and that kind of shit or entities like sure. I I I wanna believe that it's it's that simple. There's nothing simple about it, but it, right. but it less, uh-huh. you know. I struggle with I struggle with it being
2: it's simple if you think of it like an evangelical, yeah, you know, it's yeah. just like good bad good guys and bad guys, right? Like you're a two year old. But it's not there's nothing simple about it. Right. it has everything to do with the complexity of how our pain stays in our bodies. Right, right. The problem I
4: tend to have with that explanation is that either you decide there's not really anything to do about the demon or you're you know, trying to use the power of Christ or whatever to get that out uh, and one doesn't take you anywhere hopeful and the other one I don't know works. I don't know if it works
2: Well nobody has said anything about the power of Christ to get it out right we're talking about we're talking about something Well more- that's where
4: we would go. With okay. it, with right. that. The cosmic that. Christ, it, is, as uh-huh. Roar would say. <laughs> but, I, but I just mean <laughs> that's yeah. where that's probably yeah. where people are yeah. rubbing up against that idea is because they're already picturing the solution in their head, sure. and they're going, "Fuck that <clears throat> shit." I've I've been just, I've I've been there. Yeah. Uh, it weirded me out when they did it and it didn't <laughs> fucking work. Right. So, and that's the thing is that's why, Well, that's it did
0: work for a little while. I'll be honest; like a couple days after it, I felt a lot lighter and sure. I felt uh, I felt. Yeah, I think the the word that I can come up with is lighter. Yeah, well, like get, I had less, you move, you move some I had less heaviness to move, me after it happened. It. It's
2: a finite amount of energy. Like when right. you talk about your trauma, there's, think of it like a bowl. You know, there's so many ice cubes in this bowl. We start pulling them out. There's less. Eventually, when but then like, they came
1: back like the <laughs> ice cubes come. Back. Well,
2: that's and there, and there we and there we get we, like it's interesting even talking to you guys. The reason Mars Hill comes up so much is so that one there's trauma that's yeah. still present for, with us from the these spaces space. It's happening
0: out there. Like Mars Hill just exposed a, a a thing that's hidden in other churches. That now people sure. are pointing back to Mars Hill, going, "Oh, we'll see." Well, remember I, what happened I, in Seattle? Well, I wouldn't even that's say Mars Hill
2: is not the trauma. Mars Hill is the result of the trauma. We, we we gravitated to places like that. We, we, we gravitate to Mark Driscoll's of the, of the world because there's trauma in us that's trying to find a solution, yeah, trying yeah. to find a resolution. I need and the guy who's dad. got the answers. Yeah, Daddy, they'll give us the answers and spank us if we're bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we created. It, you know what I mean? We and and we you know we shape our gods and our gods shape us and so there's this this kind of thing that happens where we we go towards that but but if. Like, like, it's interesting because there's a certain amount of programming. Like, we say the word demon in everybody's brain. You can, you'll know what your programming is right away when you go to that space, right? That's not what I'm talking about at all. What I'm talking about is trauma, like, how trauma functions in the human body is, is very complex. We are creators. Yeah. So, like, out of the spirit. So, if we, if we were to divide your psyche into two sections, which I think is a, actually a fair way to understand it, of ego, the part of you, the reptilian brain, the part of you, the frontal lobe, the part of you that helps you survive, the caveman. Right, and in your spirit, this higher kind of grounded, you know, like what, what quantum physics points you to when we get into field theory, right? This part of you that's actually grounded to everything else that seems to have the ability to pull something right. really the inner much, much deeper, right? Self. Two operating systems, the Apple II, you know, E versus, you know, the highly advanced operating system. If those are the two parts of us that go into it, Right, Most of us are functioning through that rudimentary system because we are actually trying to just survive everything we carry all the time. The question is, how do we shift over
0: to that other system? Healing the inner wound, that was my second question on my notes here—is mm. kind of what you're talking about. You're going into... So, you know, the, the ego and the spirit, we kind of touched on that the other night. So, and, uh, can I...
5: Yeah, where do you go with that?
4: Take a step back and then kind of address what Seth is talking about and what you're... I think, so this may be a totally separate topic, uh, but lots of us in the group, but especially Arthur and I, tend to like to approach things with a lot of skepticism. Um, And a lot of the way my skepticism, (coughs) and Arthur's, I believe, manifests is challenging... uh, People making statements with authority uh, that are not, you know, that ultimately just come down to their opinion. Mm. Um, and that's kind of where I feel myself engaging you right. on some of them a little bit, in that like, you know, something that John's brought up that I've, you know, that he's summarized something that I've said is like, who the fuck are you?
5: <laughs> <laughs> like,
7: like, like. You know, it's kind of the Driscoll bit, wound. Right. I think I recommended like, yeah, a Richard yeah, yeah. Rohr book well, to you, and you're like, "Who the fuck? Who the fuck, fuck is, is that he? guy? Right.
1: Like, <laughs> he's Richard Rohr. Like, the, the, right. he's, he's, he's awesome. awesome. That's what I, he's now. like the, the
4: anti-Driscoll." Question? <laughs> yeah. That's a valid question. Yeah, sure. Right. right. <laughs> but It's like, a, like, why do you speak with authority? What gives you the authority? And I've gotten to the point where I, <coughs> where I mean, kind of like most of the typical reasons that people give for having authority, I think, are bullshit like sure. your schooling like fuck that shit sure. like I've been to school I know I don't know if they teach you at school your experiences I've had personal experiences too yeah. right like your age like I feel like I've kind of you know this is somewhat the truth but I've gotten to the point where I'm only you know there's only I've had enough life experience that you know five or six more years of life experience are not going to give me, you know, maybe they'll give me five or 10% better perspective. But not like when I was 18 and it felt like people had like three or four times. Like I remember being Twenty two and and going to a Mark Driscoll thing, I was like, "Fuck, this guy's got it all figured out." Like he is way farther. I'm just loving that authority, which I think can be a healthy thing. I don't want to shit all over that. I think it can be good for people in their twenties to have that authority. But I've definitely gotten to the point where I started to explore the idea of you know, like, yeah. well, you know, to quote <clears throat> the Big Lebowski, well, that's just your fucking opinion, man. Yeah. Like, but there's a what? wound there too. Uh huh. There's yeah, definitely a
2: wound. It, 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 it sounds like like. So anybody speaking with a little authority triggers something inside you. you know? For sure.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah.
2: mm-hmm. you know, if it's a valid question, it's so well, who the fuck are you? But if it's an actual question, the, the way you speak, it doesn't sound like a question. It's... No, it's definitely
3: a challenge. Yeah, it's, it's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. See,
6: the, it doesn't sound like a question. But I track with you on that, and mine's more of a question. Because I... You know, okay, I, I'm an engineer, and I know a whole hell of a lot of stuff, and I don't know much about any of what you guys are talking about. Right. And so that's just mine is more of an unknown. It's okay, so where are you coming from? Why yeah. why do you have the answer whereas Russ doesn't? You know, how are you better off than he is? Sure. And, well, and the shit that
3: like bothers me is like yeah. the lizard brain's like in your brain stem. Right. And the frontal lobe's like your lucky brain. Like that that's our developed part. That that's yeah. like our evolutionary advanced part. Right. So so I was right when, when he was saying all over"? Yeah, but but that that's like the that's like the conscious part, right. and like there's there is like in, involved in trauma. There absolutely is kind of lizard brain part, which is like the fully defensive like survival mechanism stuff. Which when you're dealing with really deep wounds, that does that does kick in, and it doesn't it doesn't speak. It doesn't even have the ability to speak. Um, but kind of to go back to to kind of I wanted to swing back to the, the question of. Why don't we deal with our shit? Because I think that's we haven't really answered that question. Oh, well, actually, we're hitting on it, right? Now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we're to,
5: know,
0: sure. We're knocking it around like a pinata, yeah. trying to get the fucking candy out, <laughs> but somebody wrapped it too tight, <laughs> and my fucking stick isn't sharp but enough. Why would you make a pinata out
3: of duct tape? One of the things that I deserve is you can't make someone deal with their shit.
6: No. Like, no. You can. You can no. watch
3: someone hurting and even someone crying for help because I know lots of people in in my life and they and they only want help to like recover from where they're drowning Mm -hmm. and I've used this analogy with my my wife before with, with somebody that has just for well over a decade in our life reached out for help when they're drowning and we throw them a life preserver and now they're floating and they don't want to go any better than that They don't realize they're still lost at sea. They're just not in immediate danger of drowning. Mm -hmm. And part of us accepts that because it feels so much better than the drowning place as good. And there's other parts of it too where we have our managing and coping mechanisms that suck, but they work well enough that it just holds the pain at bay from time to time but you're living on that edge where something can trigger it and then you go into this downward spiral of, of you know tapes playing in your head about your story about your victimhood about everything that's happened and it's happening again and you end up in that dark place again and then you want to be rescued again but as long as you have management tools that just kind of fix that and most of the people that i know that ended up dealing with their shit ended up having something big enough or not something big enough just that straw that broke the camel's back where they can't do it anymore, they finally give up. That's like their own kind tools. of rock
0: bottom, sort of.
3: Yeah, that, that that thing. And and I think one of the difficult parts for Christians is is that their their gospel tells them all they need is Jesus. Yeah. That's what they hear in evangelical church every week: is that you just need to Jesus, you need to Bible more, you need to pray more. The Bible and prayer has all the answers, and that's it. And you know, I grew up in a tradition in, in my very young childhood that, that thought that psychology was the devil because it wasn't biblical. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of people that are on that spectrum of some sort of where, well, the non-Christian versions of healing and their answers don't offer you anything. Ultimately you need that. And I think that holds a lot of people back because they buy into that and they don't want to betray that. They, they feel like they betray their faith if they step outside that for, for healing and for solution. And, but I think ultimately you get to a place where you just don't want your shit anymore and, and, and you get sick of the half measures that haven't worked. Right. I think,
4: I mean, so why people don't deal with their shit is a very complicated question. I don't want to gloss over that because there's a million variables typically. So trying to nail one down mm-hmm. Is you know can be can be dangerous ultimately you know. Well, I fucking diagnosed it, and it's all these other things. But for me, the two that pop out are one is it's a lot of work, and usually (laughs) if you don't have your shit together and it's all over the house, you've already got a lot of fucking work, Mm -hmm. and the idea of doing more work is exhausting. Like I'm trying to balance all this fucking bullshit, and you want to. Put another fucking thing on top of it, and and not a little fucking thing like a like this is going to take intense work for a really long time. Like fuck that. Yeah. And the reason some people have to I'm hit good at managing it,
0: and I think that's part of this conversation too is the shit management, right? Like I've been good at managing it thus far. So why can't I just keep managing it? Is that maybe where you're?
4: Yeah, of... I mean that's that's definitely one of the excuses. And then the yeah. other thing is. Uh... Oh, shit, I'm, sure, I'm well, sorry, I, I was totally eight. through. Um, <laughs> Uh, the other, the other thing is, if I don't deal with it, I still have the hope that I can fix it. But if I try and deal with it and I can't fix it, my hope is, at least then my hope is fucking gone.
1: Yes. Right? Yes. See, that's the fear, and I wonder if that might not be part of Chuck. Is I get to that door, and I'm not going to walk through the fucking door because what if there's nothing past that fucking door, and I get in there and it doesn't work. Well, then I'm just fucked even more. I mean, At least up, I mean, still had my hope when I was eight. Yes,
0: yes. Have you guys heard of David Brooks, New York Times yeah. uh, a guy who wrote some books? He wrote a book uh, called Building Character, and maybe that's part of what we're talking about here. Um, the Road to Character, sorry. Uh, and, and, and he said that people finally get to a place, usually during middle age, uh, where they start seeking on the inside. Uh, people seeking inner peace or inner light. And he talks about the, this, this concept of the two atoms, right? But Adam one asks, how does stuff work? And you know what? I just want success. That's what, you know, people approach a guy like Seth, like what you wrote and go, I just want the porn to go away. So they're, they're working out of that, that first atom, right? But then the second atom is kind of like, I'm out of fucks, right? That's, yeah. that's the second atom as he starts talking about that. The second atom says things like, why am I here? And ultimately, I just need love. I need redemption, you know. Um, so there's, I think that there's these two parts of us that are juxtaposed. It's I'm gonna, just, it's so
4: biblical. I'm gonna interrupt you because I remembered where I was when you interrupted me. <laughs> okay,
5: good, good. I like it.
4: So the thing about hitting rock bottom is, so back to that work thing. Like it's a lot of fucking work. Right. Sometimes the only reason people have to hit rock bottom is because when they hit rock bottom, they got a lot of fucking time on their hands. Right. Because all that shit that they were trying to balance finally fell over. Right. Right? And they don't have, like, well, hell, like, you know, my wife left me, my job disappeared, yeah. I'm sitting on the fucking street, mm. uh, all I got is time now, and, and this really fucking sucks, so... So for well, me, it was
3: similar, but it wasn't I had time, right. it's that I had zero roads forward that weren't right. painful as fuck. That's the other one, is you get, you're you finally Exhausted in the corner, you're,
4: you're backed <laughs> in the corner, and you're like, oh, well, I mean... I, you know, there's nowhere else to, like you just said, there's nowhere else to go. I gotta
3: pick something. I'm gonna go this way and get shot, and I'm gonna go this way and get stabbed. Yeah. (laughs) I had
6: a sense that you had something to say. I I hate hate fucking the term rock bottom. (laughs) I do too, man. It can always always be fucking worse. Yeah, it can.
3: Always. Hey, engineer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Always. You know, that's a huge thing, though, because the question is like, there's some people, rock rock bottom's here for this guy, here for this guy. And it's fascinating because I know people that that's like rock bottom is like you've got to be this close. To death. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and other guys had to fucking shovel to
5: get
3: and dig deeper. <laughs> right. I, mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I got a kid that I'm I'm working with as a client, and he's and his rock bottom was like, you know, when he got drafted as a pro athlete, and he's just like struggling because he's like not enjoying himself. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and the kid's got and it's weird because he's just like. I'll do anything man because I'm just not happy and and he will. He's literally like tell me what to do I will do it and I will do anything I've got to do to change this thing and I'm going God he's 21
1: I'm like fuck man. I've been like I'm not 21 I'm like yeah
2: it took me you know, 13, 14 more years of insane suffering before I could ever like actually start turning it around but he like yeah, it's a weird thing, man. Rock is different for everybody.
7: I get that to some degree because I think circumstantially my life is pretty good, but I struggle to enjoy it, and I feel like I should enjoy it more. And to what you were talking about, Arthur, there's that aspect where I just want to, I just want to deal with the shit, so I can enjoy it. <laughs> but it's it's like it it's like it ends to a mean sometimes. But I'm also tracking with a lot that you're saying, Seth, because I found for myself that the way forward, the way to deal with it is to feel it and to experience it. And I go back and forth. It just depends on maybe the day you ask me or where I'm at in my frame of mind. Um, Sometimes with, I think, dealing with it, it could be, I I don't know about you guys, but as I've dealt with things, sometimes there's that fear where, like, am I just a bottomless pit? You know, is there any end to it? I mean, even talk or, or like, look at the way... uh, Uh, there's a fascinating documentary about Scientology called Going Clear that explains kind of the inner workings of their belief system. and, And, you know, so they do this thing called auditing, which is basically just probing and asking all these questions and, dealing with just, you know, your secret thought life and stuff you wouldn't say to anyone. Kind of but dealing with your shit sort of thing. Yeah, but it's sort of in a bullying kind of way. And as well, well people pay money. Too for maybe, that. maybe not initially. <laughs> maybe not initially. Right. I don't know. People paying money for all kinds of politics. That's true. No, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but but you know but but one thing that struck me is is that after you've audited so much of your shit and dealt with so much of your shit and remembered so much of your childhood trauma, whatever Okay, well, we dealt with all that. Well, what happened to you in another life? You know, yeah. what memories do you have from another life? Let's deal with the shit that happened in your prior life. Like, when does that end?
2: Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's Pandora's it... box for sure. What's that? It's a Pandora's box. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, to my analogy of the house, like some people just start going through the shit with a finer and finer and finer screen until they're down to the atomic level, and they're addicted to screening their shit.
5: Yeah. Right.
0: But that's not that's not the inner part of us. I don't think that that's that's more that Adam one, right? <laughs> I want success. I want results. I'm gonna keep scraping and, and filtering until I get it. There's there's uh, this other guy, uh, David Foster Wallace. You guys heard of him? He's hmm. like a f- uh, philosopher. He actually he had some I'm really walk, cool David things Wallace. to say. Uh, yeah, David Wallace. Isn't he like the CFO of Dun and <laughs> no no he actually he was a he's an he's intellectual uh, philosophy guy from what I understand ended up killing himself in 2008 sadly but he talked about he did a commencement speech where he, it, it went viral and he talked about the water which I thought was interesting so he tells a story at the beginning of it and he says there's these two fish and they're swimming along together these two young fish and they meet this older fish and the older fish goes the water's really clear today are you guys happy with water today and they look at him and they go yeah that's cool right on buddy so they go swimming along and they get home and they go they go to their parents and they go hey uh, what the fuck is water
5: <laughs> right yeah.
0: so it's like a consciousness thing and I think that and, and a lot of what he talked about was life is difficult we get to the grocery store and we're tired and you know you worked all day and you sit in fucking traffic staring at brake lights and that's water you know, we don't. We are we, pissed off at the guy who cut us off. We're pissed off because we're having to buy groceries when you know dinner should be ready. And we sh- we should have been more you know uh, organized, but we get there and we're we, we're mad at because the, there's a line right and it's rush time and there's only two fucking things open and twelve right. <laughs> You know, so there's a big line of people, so you're bad at that. But we, we don't think about, you know, what, what it might have been like. And this is like maybe a gratitude exercise, but it's more a consciousness. Like that's our water. But, you know, you go you roll it back even a hundred years in this city, you'd be lucky to get half the shit that we get. We, we, we have a lot that we're not grateful for, but our water is. Trauma. Our water is kind of like what you were talking about with the evolutionary biology. I think for a long time our brains have been programmed to, you know, have our head on a swivel because something might jump out of the fucking bushes and get us. So. I don't know Well that's that true I mean from that.
7: an evolutionary standpoint you used to you know we used to be afraid of saber-toothed tigers now it's traffic sucks you know yeah. we to, or, <laughs> some of, people go to that
4: for the reason you're afraid of snakes and spiders right like yeah. you don't have to be taught to be afraid of snakes and that's spiders so DNA like, so you guys are talking as head head head. if there's
2: not somebody sitting in that traffic just like at one with the universe like loving it right yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, which yeah. is very very uh, that's actually a thing you know what I mean There's there's somebody out there not on substances that's actually living at a high high enough level of
7: consciousness that when they're in traffic, they're just present in the moment and they're at one with what is. I heard someone talk about that recently. Like if you're up in a hot air balloon watching traffic, it's kind of peaceful, right?
0: Right. You know, if you're in the middle of it, oh, it sucks. Well, it's like, (laughs)
2: Edgar Tolley talks about this, right? In the New Earth, when he talks about, he says, you know, some people ask him, you know, the idea of waiting, like, what are you waiting for? He's like, I don't wait. Yeah. He's like, I just... Enjoy the present moment. And so that you know, that's that's the idea is at any given moment if we were to be here, there's an entire
6: universe that opens up.
5: Who was gonna save me now? Two fingers of whiskey, good old fashioned ride. His job about for glory and prohibition dry. Two fingers of whiskey, that is all I need to keep drowning the devil. Living in me,
0: living me. The way I met Seth. Was through John. Actually, John was the last person to say, "Dude, I read this guy's book, and you're not even like a like a, a chronic masturbator." <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, depends on what standard we're holding to. But, but you, now my goal is to be on in with him. No,
5: you
0: you're heard on Another chronic masturbator. The not South I South Bader,
3: <laughs>
0: not a chronic. A I, I'm a more real chronic masturbation. I would chronic
3: that Christian that. masturbation denialist. <laughs> <on ILS. laughs>
0: but anyway, so so John, you read, it, you heard him on a podcast, right? And then you bought the book, and you said, yeah. "Dude, you gotta check out this guy's book." Yeah, and I had emails on it too. And I'm like, I'm writing my own thing. I'm like, fuck, I don't need some <laughs> other guy like Derek says who's got all the fucking answers. Right. Last thing I need is another fucking Mark Driscoll who wrote a fucking book is going to tell everybody how to so fucking get attacked. up and I fucking forward. Like
2: fuck I'm like, I
7: just can't <laughs> help. <me>. I never, <laughs> I never wrote <laughs> book that
0: way. And I didn't either. And That's what I liked about you because you you approached this thing from. I'm sorry, just kidding. Well, I was just going like, to say
7: that I I, I encountered it is like a curiosity and mirroring where I was. When I had encountered it, was dealing with some anxiety issues and exploring some things and reading some different ideas about mysticism and even you know meditation and, and body work and how to get into that and I just had a curiosity about it and that's where I kind of you know, encountered your yeah. book and sort of recommending it is is a way forward and you know as you talk about processing and I had done a processing session as well that I found healing. What 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 I'm coming back to is, and I've been relatively quiet and I I feel heavy and and intense as I'm just listening to Chuck tell his story and and have, you know, when he shared some stuff before too, is, and and you had in your introduction, Russ talked about how this stuff really comes home to roost in midlife, you know, Uh and what, what I keep coming back to, what I keep landing on is I think there's a lot with being a parent and seeing our children, and seeing yourself in your children, yeah, and 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 then in some way reconnecting with your childhood self and your childhood memories as you see your children. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of work that happens if you're courageous enough to embark on it. I think for some of us, it's not even a choice. You, you kind of have to because it, it just like a well, just you know, seeps up. It, it just doesn't stop. Um, but I think there, I think that that is the big piece of the puzzle to explore like Chuck, you have sons, you love your sons. Um, as you connect with your childhood self, I, I mean, surely you love your childhood self the way you love one of your sons and surely there'd be healing and peace with that and reconnecting with and healing with that part of yourself. Maybe that's. I don't think that is a question.
5: Do you? No,
6: that's, and I guess that's the thing. Like, no, I don't. I don't. I do not look at myself or love myself no. in that childhood aspect as like I do with my kids, oh my and that's part of why. I guess that's part of why I'm in the doorway. Mm. Is I know that I'm broken, and not that I'm going to get fixed through any of this, but I'm going to learn how to deal with it or. As Seth was saying, you know, move the energy out, and so that I can connect with my children, or not just connect with them, but something's going to happen with in their lives. Whether it's what I went through, which I no words to explain the not happening to them, um, or just the little rock bottoms. But then it's help them deal with it. How can I help my kids work through any problems if I'm sitting here jamming shit in a box?
5: Yeah.
6: You know, not hi- just hiding all of my emotions. They come to me with a problem, and I'm going to be the I'm going to be the guy that says, "Well, you do you watch porn too?" <laughs> How old are your sons? Uh, seven and almost five.
7: And that's what I so 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 your five year old son, your seven year old sons they're they're worthy of love, but your five year old or seven year old self, you don't know. No. Do you
5: Do you
4: feel any pity for that kid or is it hatred? I hate you. Is it because he was so fucking naive?
6: Yeah. 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 I mean there were so many opportunities to stop it. But that's not that's that's true. not that's idea. not your responsibility. Yeah, well, not so not the thing. I let's, I let's hold on for a second
4: because I don't want to address this with logic. I want <laughs> him to just, <laughs> yeah, just they, feel it. So don't talk him down. Why do you hate that kid?
6: Because I should have stopped it. There, I um. He was a he was a teacher at the school that I went to, and um, he ran this summer basketball program and asked me if I would run the scoreboard short extra money you know as a kid you know and then it's this guy's showing the affection that i wasn't getting elsewhere
5: mm.
6: some whole crazy shit happened during one of the weekends um and another kid uh walked in we were in the hall another kid came upon us and he left real quick, and I'm just laying there. And I didn't say anything. I mean, very easily. Could have just been like, help. Just help me. Mm-hmm. And it was, I covered. I just, I did what I needed to do so it wouldn't come out. And it's like, why? Why, would, why the fuck would you do that? Stop it. Dude, I did the same thing. What do you want The
0: same thing. And, and
6: you were a kid. Well, what and do you want to? tell so many times.
4: What do you want to say to that kid, though?
0: You're dumb. You-
6: You're an idiot. What else? There's nothing else to say. It's come on, like wake up. Like it's stupid. Why would you not say something?
0: That's that outside part of yourself that's still focused in on yourself. You know.
2: Okay, hey, I want to say something real quick because Derek's hitting on something important. Yes. What Derek's trying to do right now is space. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? You know what I'm saying. Everybody gets a little bit. We get a little trigger, and we want it. Because everything. We want, Chuck. Yeah, well, we want to save Chuck. Yeah, we want to save Chuck because we want to save ourselves, right? So what Chuck's experiencing can invade into our our own trauma it has a way of slipping past the our conscious self, right? And so, in there's what we're trying to fight to hold the space. Go on, come on, because he can see it's coming, right? Yeah. And it's coming, it's coming, and it wants to come. Because when you start to feel, your your spirit starts to go, hey, we can get this out. It starts squeezing like a toothpaste tube from the bottom. Mm-hmm. It starts wanting to push. It comes that, out of your eyes. Right? Yeah, it starts wanting to push that emotional energy out of the body mm-hmm. because it, because the spirit's job is to heal us, right? That's a part of us. It's not it's not a mystical wizard thing, right? And so he's he's over here come on, just hold hold, you know. And that's huge. Can you feel it? Right in your core? Yeah. It's right there. It wants it's hot. To come. It wants to come, yeah. And there's a lot of energy in there. You <coughs> go on, no, no, no. No, keep it down. Keep it down. You we know, in that programming and you can go right into that, man. But what's interesting is your programming says, you, you know, the anger is directed towards the thing and what needs to happen is we switch that anger to the one that really hurt you. It's not his fault. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault. You know what I'm saying?
3: Sure, I hear it. Uh, so I want you yeah, to think about huge. your kids, because I think that was a really good comparison in that when you, when you watch your kids grow up, especially at young ages, kids are amazing before they're like preteens. They're still amazing when they're preteens, but they're just amazing for different reasons. But before they're preteens, you introduce like your kids to like other kids, And they almost invariably, especially at those ages like 5 and 7, even earlier, 3 and 4, where they just accept the other kids you put them with. Like they're completely reliant on you. To, and, they, and they trust you because you're their parent. You put them in a situation and they just, they trust and they accept. And they believe. And they don't fear. And they're, they're not super guarded in those pre-wounded states where, where you know, kids have been really hit them at their core. I mean, sure, they, they've met other kids that have been mean to them, but they're not, like, deeply wounded yet necessarily. And so when, when your kid screws up and you have the perspective of, like, oh, they did something I wouldn't have done because I know better, but you see that as a parent and you go, well, they just they just didn't know better. And, and so you don't come down hard on them. Because they're a kid, and I'm, I'm sure you've had that experience with your own kids, right? Correct.
4: That so perspective I, about yourself. Why am I doing it now right. by myself? Can I go back to? the... I mean, you know, hits you back where you were again. Uh, can you say something nice to that kid, to, to little you? You don't have to mean it, but can you? Can you come up with something? Because that's something you need to practice?
6: So I have a hard time with that. Um, Empathy is a a weird um, issue that I have. The whatever it is, your dog's sick or wife's ill or whatever it is, you know, and you share it. It's like, oh, I, you know, I'm sorry that you're, you're going through that. It sounds hollow to me, and so I don't say it.
4: Can you do it even though it's hollow? What would you say?
6: I have a heart that's I have a hard time with that. Just make Do you
3: up. feel it. Fuck the words.
6: Yeah. It just sounds so, helpful, so, so I don't, don't, don't worry about the language then.
4: Yeah, can you go there without saying it? Verbally.
6: Yeah.
4: And what's the little kid saying there?
6: for help
0: so what would you say to the guy who is uh, maybe a teacher at your son's school and your son walks into the gym and the teacher is going hey come back here I want to talk to you and he doesn't know you're there but you see that what do you go in your mind Towards that teacher, or towards that kid.
6: It's tough because my mind automatically goes to what I've experienced. Right. Um, the, so kid you, so you, the, the kid, kid you, wouldn't leave. The kid, the, regardless of whatever the situation is, whether it's the extreme that I went through or. Nothing at all. It's He's helping the teacher carry fucking boxes into the, you know, from the closet into the back of the room that we're in. The kid wouldn't leave. Mm. I could do it. But as a,
0: as a bystander standing outside knowing, you know... Mm. Where this guy? Maybe this guy's. You know, you got a fucking flyer in the mail with his face on it, saying predator in your neighborhood, and you see the same guy, and he wants to bring this
6: kid, and you have a handgun, but <laughs> See? No, I mean I say that, but um, so the, that's, that's empathy th- for that kid. It wasn't the kid's fault. Part of my part of my story is, um, I so. <clears throat> Elementary school and high school was two separate places. Um, Elementary school was through sixth grade. And then as a seventh grader, you were just jammed in with the high school. We didn't have very many kids in the school. So it ended after the summer of sixth grade. Um, Some shit happened with another student and him. um, And he left the school district, and it came back that, you know, like, he wasn't doing anything. What was, you know, mm-hmm. poor this teacher for everybody dragging his fucking name through the coals.
0: Kind of like the mayor right now.
6: Yeah. <clears throat> um, somehow I got in contact with him when I was 16, and it was over the summer. He's He invites me down to um, his place in Virginia area near DC and it's like yeah DC's awesome I'll come down and that was the excuse I told everybody that I was you know just gonna go hang out with this awesome teacher that just had his name drugged through the coals and I was planning on killing him mm-hmm. and that's just where it was I didn't oh, yeah. uh, there was some other things that had happened and Arthur you had said about like closure on it and I, I don't know why it's hit me it's just raw with that, because I've never looked at it that way. Um, I met his girlfriend, and we went back to her place, and came inside, and she had a, a kid that was right around that same age. And it was like, well, why don't you guys go off and play? Well, you know, the adults would do adult things. Went into his room, and he had this look on his face. It was like, fuck you, too. Like, you're going to do it to me, too. Mm -hmm. And I I shut the door and I just said to him, I was like, no. Like, I know where you're at. And when we leave, and it's going to be real soon, um, you need to tell your mom. And he did. Which is why I didn't. I would, yeah, I would have killed him. So where is he now? I don't know. Uh, Prison, maybe?
1: Hopefully. Because she didn't report him, right? Yeah. Yeah.
6: Yeah. So messed up. But yeah, it's like when when you said about closure on that, it's I don't know, it's weird. Like it's it's just raw in me with that because um, I don't look at it that way. Um, but I also see where you do.
3: Well, it, it's in not not a closure like oh that that's all fixed or, or correct or healed, but it's a closure to the question of. My abuser is out there. Yeah. What am I gonna do if I face them again someday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or should I?
2: That's the thing. I think I think that's impossible as long as that trauma that energy still exists in the body. Because okay. Okay. it's still happening. That's the thing. The trauma, this is PTSD, it's how it functions. It's still happening. Closure is the experience of that moving out of the body. It's like a you guys have all seen Google Hunting, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's a really, really good good example of this, I right? remember that scene where he's, and I didn't mean to be copying that, it was just it was working, <laughs> but remember that he to be using this mantra, it's not your fault. Yeah. It's not your fault. remember and he does the same thing, well I, well I know that, you know, it's not my fault, it's not my fault, but then it starts, the truth of it starts to push into his body. And it, because it's matching this thing, cause he, his internal belief is, it is my fault, which is why you have anger directed towards that, younger self, yourself, right? It is my fault. And that truth starts pushing in there, and it just starts pushing that grief out, and then that explosive grief that moves out—that's trauma. Like closure, closure is a place we arrive at. It's not something we can do. It's like forgiveness. You know, in the church, I always tell us, "Forgive." Mm-hmm. Forgiveness mm-hmm. is something we arrive to. Yeah. It's not something we can do for people, and so you never know, for ourselves. So it's one of those things where there there has to be there has to be the experience that that you know you said, "Well, when we stop that process. We have to go back to that and push it out."
4: It, you Unfortunately, know. especially you and me being engineers, it's not something you can just settle for knowing. Yeah, Correct. You have to you have to fucking feel it at the core of your being. Yeah. In, and I'm a man. thinker
0: too, and I just, like w- with your wife, I, I just kept trying to think this thing. But that, the whole breathing exercise was really important because it did help me get out of my head. It, yeah. It's like, okay, I'm breathing, yeah. I'm breathing, and I'm just feeling... You know, just feel, tell me what you feel there. You know, that was, it was a
7: lot of that. It
0: was like
2: every, literally every few weeks, how's like, you know, the rest of it? Yeah, I need back and finish.
3: Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about bringing female voices into this group. And, um, yeah. We should read my wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I can at least bring it's my wife's perspective two. in, yeah. even if she's yeah. not here tonight, which is. A when she was facing dealing with, with her shit and her story and her trauma. One not insignificant part of uh, of her motivation to do it was because she was seeing how her shit was affecting her as a parent and affecting her children. No. and And that realization brought a really high level of this case almost immediately and because of that a lot of motivation to not let that not let her story not let her trauma become part of our children's story
0: yeah that's why it's so important to to deal with it and to move into like you were saying move through it and I think that's where I trapped with you after meeting with you when we did that interview because you're a guy where I've, I've now I've interviewed a bunch of people that've written books on this stuff, you know, and I think you're a guy who didn't write a book on shit management, and that's why I appreciate what you wrote because it's going to the core, you're going to the roots, where most of this stuff is just. You know, start an exercise regimen, you know, and and, and, and then releases the endorphins that are the same as, you know, jerking off and having an orgasm. And and that'll, you know, like, sure, that'll work for a little while. But until you get to some of these root stuff and just Chuck sharing your story, I'm kind of, because I've done some of this work, I'm just noticing myself, like, while Chuck is sharing... I reached across, I grabbed a cigar that I left here last week, I lit it, I poured another beer, um, I drank the rest of my wine. Like, there's something in just you sharing what happened to you that brings me to a place where I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, because I've been there too, dude, and I, I used to not like pictures of myself as a kid on the walls. Like, my wife put up. I gave my wife a card, it was one of these, like, cards where um, it's like a little boy and a little girl. A little boy's hanging her flower, you know. And a little boy and a little girl are in color. And the background's black and white. And my wife really liked that. So she started putting up pictures of us as kids on the walls. And I'm like, oh, oh no. Take that shit down. I don't think I said that audibly, but... <laughs> It was, it was going into what you were talking about. Because I was still, I was mad at that kid. And for me to, and you're so right, like I can't, I can't make you go to a place where you're forgiving that kid. I had to arrive at it. You're, you're so right. Because I, I had to get to that place where I'm like, oh, you know, I was just a kid. Like I was just a fucking kid. My therapist says, said something a while back. And it was, so we, I, I go to a group and it's a uh, group for uh, male survivors of childhood sexual assault and in the group she said next time you see a kid who's about the same age as you were when it happened just just look at that kid for a minute and give him some empathy you know (laughs) just stop out of your day and go there's a kid about nine about how old I was I was just I was just a fucking kid man he was just a kid Chuck and that shouldn't have fucking happened to you you know um I'm so sorry that that
4: happens to anyone, but, you know... You're not who you were... You weren't then who you are now. You just didn't have the tools. Like, there's not even any... There's, that's just the fucking reason. You didn't have the fucking tools to, to do what you would have done now. There's... Mm-hmm. It just didn't exist, it wasn't there. So, so it doesn't work to reason your way out of it, because... Because you can't blame that kid for not having what he didn't have. Yeah. He just, he just wasn't able to do it.
0: Healing comes from the inside out. To find yourself is to lose yourself. <laughs> it's an, that's a, something that Jesus said, right? You really want to find yourself, you have to lose yourself. And that's maybe the biggest, hardest part of getting past shit management and actually
2: yeah. finding healing, right? Well, you can't think, you, you find after a while that the thinking, trying to reason it all, is a survival well, It's actually yeah.
4: counterproductive. So yeah. like people like me and Chuck, like if you've got to feel that for 24 hours, and you and me, I feel connect on this and that, when something comes up that triggers an emotion, our logic kicks in instantly. So we right. feel that for like half a second. So if we are trying to make up 24 hours of feeling half a second at a time, the math doesn't work out too well. On no, you. it it's doesn't. Like you yeah. got to, you know, how many hundreds time. of years do you have to be, <clears throat> live in order to actually get to the point where you've dealt with that. And that's just one event we're talking about. That's not this stuff that builds up over time. Yeah. So you, I mean, ultimately the answer is you got to have someone that can make space and mm. hold you there. Yeah. And it and even then, if you're doing it you know, one hour chunks, it still fucking takes 24 <laughs> sessions.
5: I think you can do I think you could, one I, of these.
2: I've been doing this work in very, very, very intensive for about eight years. Yeah. So, There's something I, to the intensives, man. Yeah, I've been doing really intensive, intensive energetic therapy work for about eight years. And, and I, in a combination of three or four different types of therapy and energy intuitive work, and RTT, and, and, and psychotherapy, and all these different things. And I, I turned it into this, and then doing all that work on my own. And I still do, and it's a lifestyle for me now. But it's one of those things where, and and I, I the only, it's interesting because you're talking about how you guys are engineers more on linear thinking. I'm, I'm a paint splat, totally abstract, <laughs> but, but it's no different in the sense that survival is survival. You know, maybe I'm a more, uh, you know, naturally intuitive kind of personality, but what's weird is that, I mean, I still, when I was 33 years old, I couldn't feel a thing. I mean, not a thing, besides rage. Rage was the only thing I had. And... That rage was so intense. I mean that I mean it was it was just, you know, I mean it was freaking insane. But it was one of those things where where eventually, you know, you start to realize that I'm, I mean it's just pure survival, it's that programming. But it's the same thing. Like like you you feel this thing kinda of come up and it almost like the emotion rises and it hits a wall for some some reason and it feels like you're trying to push the Columbia River through a little pinhole. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. And it's just exhausting to even try to feel it. Well that's programming that is Happen through your brain chemistry and through in your entire body of pushing that emotion down because it's not safe to feel it. And that's the tricky thing is, is that stuff does have to come up and it has to. I mean, I don't necessarily need you think you need to replay the entire thing in your mind, but it does. It, there is a whole reprogramming that happens through that. And then when you have, in the, in the wake of it, there's a shift that takes place. And more and more. The, the psychology world is starting to recognize this. Yeah, like, it doesn't percent. have to take yeah. 15 years. You know what I mean? It doesn't. You yeah. can. There is a way to do this work intensively. They're bringing back some of the ancient ways of understanding. It's shamanic roots. I mean, most indigenous cultures, the Native American cultures, had a way of dealing with this stuff, and and they used sometimes they used substances to help with it. You know what I mean? They, you know, they, they get into the peyote and they get into the. What's that was the ayahuasca? Ayahuasca, yeah. Again, yeah. ay- ayahuasca is that whole kind of thing. And it's about there's a that there's this certain design of a human being that the spirit is actually designed to help us kind of heal that. And and there's therapies available. Mm-hmm. That's and that's
0: amazing. your trauma yeah. to get into a little of your trauma and John's is you guys both lost a father well, and at and a my, young age.
2: Yeah, and that was the t- that was just I mean the tip of the iceberg when I started, the depression was so intense and I had massive so I had massive anxiety disorders. Like I had ticks and stuff like that. Right? Mm-hmm. Butterflies in my stomach, twenty four seven. Severe, severe manic, and a clinical depression since I was pretty young. Like, like couldn't feel anything.
0: And and so your your dad died when you were like twelve. I was twelve,
2: but that and that was the tip of the iceberg. It was almost like the centurion that was guarding the door because the trauma for me was. And and you got into past lives. Like I've done a tremendous amount of past life work. So, I've been shocked. And I, I mean, it is a Pandora's box. You open it up, you can go way deep. But but if you get I mean, for me, like, I started going into an entire child, an entire life of, suppre- of emotional suppression. I mean, emotion, suppressing every desire, suppressing every emotion. It was just it was my whole childhood. But it is one of those things where, where, you know, I started asking that question, like, what's possible? You know, like, I mean, when I had, I had some pretty intense experiences, okay, what's possible? Can we keep going? Can we keep going? Can we keep going in going in? To the point where I found that my ego was driving was driving my healing process'm like, mm. gonna
0: fucking run through the wall <coughs> if I have to change and then eventually I got so exhausted I was
2: like okay I should feel peace by now right you know what I mean and, <laughs> you know, I, and like, even though my life had changed and everything was way better and had the anxiety and the depression I was really really tired and then i and then it started to kind of move into like, this is where a lot of the mysticism has come from where there's a there's kind of like okay, what is this piece that passes understanding? Yeah, I get that question. Yeah. yeah, and so you know you get into that, but it, it is absolutely possible. But there, there it, it's funny because I went to a school. So when I went to grad school, it was a you know school, a psychology, you know, psychology school. That psychology has, and
0: theology. Yeah. used to be the Mars Hill Graduate School. <laughs> right. so yeah, we know, Mar- it changed it was- the name.
2: <laughs> yeah, the artist <laughs> firmly knows Mar- <laughs> Mars Hill Graduate School. But, they, yeah. but, the thing is, but that was a big question at that school. is Everybody's going, is there a more embodied way of healing? That's something that's in the body because we experience this in the body. And we talk a lot about brain chemistry, but like there is this thing where we're feeling it here. You know what I mean? And how do we go into that? You know? how do you get that shit that you're just feeling in your core and push it out and
7: you know? my father also died when I was 12 and it, not, it didn't come home to roost until my early 30s because he died in his early 30s or mid 30s and I didn't really struggle with it until then it wasn't until I was about his age or approaching his age that it just came up the surface I think that's the way a lot of that stuff works is it can lay dormant or it can be suppressed but You know, inevitably you'll deal with it. It might be in the form of a panic attack or a heart attack. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just like, 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 like just broadly speaking, like anyone that has, you know, traumatic shit that that's suppressed. Like it, it, it'll come up and out somehow. You know, It, it just will. It's just the way we're wired. And
0: the porn thing is interesting too, because it's almost like we have all this energy trapped in our body. And then we jerk off and and we feel like this big hose is going to go off, right?
4: It's like we put out a fire in a building. It's like,
0: right? It's about about the amount that you put on your toothbrush in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's about all that comes what out of our fucking body. That yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes, and because, the because there's something <laughs> to sex. right. But but that was part of it. Like I think that somewhere along the line, the most I sat in the counselor's office, and the most profound thing he ever said to me. And I think when you were talking about energies and stuff and trying to get that shit out of your body, um, this guy goes, "Hey, Russ, you know." By the way, if you don't have an orgasm, you're not going to fucking die. I don't think he said fuck because he was a Christian guy. It's my lower... It's <laughs> but my, but lower it blew shock, my mind. It's my
7: lower chakra. Exactly, it's <laughs>
0: my lower <laughs> sh- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, Somebody what? Doesn't. And he goes, you're not going to die. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, that blew my mind for some you're reason. Kind of, because I think that had something to do with that energy. I'm trying to move some fucking shit out of my body. That's
4: an interesting idea. The idea yeah. of, of trying to orgasm to get that shit out. And it feels like, you're right, it feels like it's going to (coughs) happen. Yeah, it does. And then maybe like, for a millisecond it feels like it is happening and then <laughs> yeah. it's a big <laughs> let <down>. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> the, honestly I man, yeah, the guys, Kleenex in the toilet. You guys <laughs> ever
2: got into Tantra, that's what Tantra. Tantra is actually using is using, sex, you know, sexual right. experience to, to mm-hmm. move from the root chakra all the way up through the body. So it goes here, an orgasm basically from your feet through your top of your head. Right. You know what I mean? That's what Tantra is, man. It's a healing process through pleasure.
6: We have a lot to learn from India. I, uh, <laughs> I don't want to put you down or anything, but I filled the glass up. <laughs>
5: <laughs> was a glass. I was a shot glass for six months. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: mm. My head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, man. That's good. Mm. good. One of the reasons why I'm in the doorway is that there are other people that are facing whatever bullshit, rock bottom, rock bottom crap they're dealing with. And that's, you've always said the me too. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's, there's a bunch of me twos here. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm there. You know, it's, I I understand where you guys are. Um, It just, it fucking sucks. Mm
5: -hmm.
6: But on the other side of that, there's, there's freedom.
0: There's pushing through and there is And uh, and you know whoever's ears hear this and and maybe this triggered some shit that happened to you, um, and and I just pray that you process that, and there is there there really is healing to use that word, but you you deal with the shit and you don't you stop fucking managing it. Maybe that's where I, I get a little angry. I, I start to get, like, you talked about in your book about the, uh, what was the big Christian book, that the porn every book that first, battle. every man's battle. Yeah. Yes. Like some of that shit, and I used to say some of that stuff on some of, of the earlier eyes. episodes of my, my podcast back in the did day. Did you tell people like, to bounce
5: their eyes? fuck, I, like I
3: did, man. <laughs> bounce, your,
0: bounce your eyes. You know, it's a lot of this behavior mod, kind of linear thinking stuff. And it works for a while, but this, what Chuck just said and if that's hitting you whatever it is and Derek, Derek wasn't abused as a kid but you went through not sexually abused not sexually abused but you went through just <coughs> and, and you're processing some of the the way you were treated as a kid and just felt embarrassed and this heavy shame passenger you know that followed you around right I mean that shit's real it's just as real as what happened to Chuck and I yeah, you guys have to be, a father
4: you know mine was just basic low grade constant abuse yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, and that, you know, nothing, you know, sometimes I, you know, like, what the fuck's wrong with me? I didn't go through some of this bullshit that, it, you know, like, I didn't go through anything terrible. It's just, you know, low grade, you know, but, you know, it 18, hurts years, 18, just 18 years of it, apparently. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fucks, baby. Oh, so, yeah, big time. It leaves yeah. wounds,
4: scars. Well, it's weird
2: because, like, a lot of people said, the human condition is you come out of the womb and you feel entitled and completely, like, ready, like, love me. Nah. <laughs> <am>. yeah. <laughs> Just love me. And, and you learn very quickly that ain't going to happen. You know, Or if you don't learn very quickly, yeah. it gets beat into you over
4: a long period of time. And yeah. that's, that's yeah. kind of where I am. I yeah. didn't learn very quickly.
2: Well, you, the thing is, though, it, it's funny because it, it's one of those things where you start right there at the beginning, right there at the beginning. I think a lot of people, it starts in the womb. There's a sense of a relationship with mom that is one of those ones where it's, that your mother's own shit starts coming in. Because there's two things that can love you in the world, unconditionally, it's a pet and a baby, right? And so many women, like, you have a child, and the child becomes born and they feel so loved and so wanted by that child that right away that cycle of that, of that conditional kind of love starts to set in right there and then it becomes that becomes the vat that you're kind of slowly boiling in you know like the frog that kind of right. you know mm-hmm. the temperature that's your too. normal yeah that's your normal and you learn it right there from the beginning the reason that we, we end up with it in our 20s and 30s going what the fuck is because at those young ages those are in the developmental phase like when we're trying to develop our identity we have no idea what to do with that because you're still trying to deal with the shocker of, like, why didn't they just love me? Like, <laughs> I was supposed to be loved. I remember the first time I went, oh, shit, my mom didn't love me. I remember I was in process. I was in a very deep process, and I looked at my brother, and he wasn't there, but he was, like, there in the spirit. I just said, why didn't she love us? And he goes, I don't know. And it was like, and, and it, you know, if you ask my mom, "Do you love your kids? Of course she said Yes. But that was not my experience. You know? <laughs> that was not, my experience. Was like I had to give and give and give and give in order to get that thing I needed. You know, to this day, that's the, that's how she orients herself towards me. And I have to like just notice it now and go, huh? Okay. I guess. And I can still feel the little boy inside me when she's around. Going, "Will you love me now, please? Will you love me now? If mm-hmm. I write a book?" If I help thousands of people, will you love me, you know? I actually said that to her one time. We were filming a, a film. We were doing a, a video for, the, for one of the things with the book, and she was there taking care of the kids. And I said, hey, Mom, this video is going to go out to a million people. I said that to her. And she goes, really? Yeah. I go, are you proud of me now? Mm-hmm. I think I had some anger just, mm-hmm. <laughs> just come up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she just kind of looked at me, and I walked out the door, and then she came back And She goes, know, I'm always proud of you. Like, yeah, it's weird. I never feel that, ever. Mm, you yeah. know, and I, but then I was like, Ugh, and I noticed some stuff coming out. <laughs> of I had to kind of deal with you know I <laughs> mean. Yeah. fascinating, but that's the thing. I think we spend most of our lives trying to figure out what the fuck
1: happened. To <laughs> you know, <laughs>
4: yeah. you know why wasn't I loved? I was supposed to be loved. Uh, so. Dealing with shit with your mom is a uh, <laughs> that's, you know, that's, right? that's that that future that. is, <laughs> yeah.
0: Or we just we just had Father's Day dealing with shit with your father. You know, I remember who was it one of the one of the bad Christian guys. You were on that podcast, too, oh, right? and uh, one of those guys had that question he says you know he says a lot of guys like to talk about surfacey stuff he goes one way to just cut right into a conversation is to say tell me about your dad <laughs> you know <laughs> and especially us guys especially he's like oh wow you know? uh-huh. women too though Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a question that gets to that inner inner self that Adam too right that that, that the, the part of us that goes why am I here, yeah. and what, what am I doing here?
7: So Chuck, what does the next thing for you look like in terms of your healing? Do you have an idea about where you might need to investigate or pursue, or something
6: practical, tangible? To me, it's more professional help.
7: Yeah.
0: Hey, I'll throw this out there, and I'm going to throw it out publicly. Uh, so I go to this group on Monday and I have these four guys that are in the group, and the therapist is on vacation for two weeks, and those four guys are coming to my house tomorrow, and you you can come too. And this is not some therapist who's paid and is gonna sit there and listen to your problems. These are four guys who've been through some of what you've been through. Some of the, these guys have been through horrific shit that makes what you and I went through look like fucking Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, but they're coming to my house tomorrow and, and maybe that's a way to another me too step and it's not we're not going to be fucking doing therapy or anything we're just hanging out we're just dudes hanging out because I kind of like these guys they have been through a lot and, and the way their their stories unfolded is really interesting Yeah. but uh, you know you're more than welcome to come I've told them a little bit about you and uh, yeah man so maybe that's what, I don't know but if you're I don't want to put you in this fucking spot <laughs> <laughs> in front of millions. millions. millions, 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 in, in front of the 35 people who are
1: listening <laughs> right now. Millions and hundreds of millions of listeners. <laughs> yeah, but I'll throw that out
0: there if you if you want to. Maybe that's a,
6: a toe in the water I don't know. <laughs> Oh, you're expecting an answer right now. No, you don't have <laughs> an answer
0: <right> now. <laughs> But at seven o'clock tomorrow. <laughs> you know where I live. did you hear that Chuck? He's gonna come. Right? We're gonna we're gonna sing songs about Jesus and light a fire and let's get a candle.
1: Kumbaya. We're gonna
0: have we're gonna have purity rings and we're all gonna put put them up No. Oh God. <laughs> so but I, yeah, but I just wanted to throw that out there. So it's in my house I'm i I'm kind of a party guy. That's what I told my neighbors, there's there's new people moving in next door, which freaks me out because I'm kind of a party guy. And I've told uh, a few people recently. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a, hey, if the house is rocking, don't bother knocking. Come on over, kind of person. And my neighbors are more than welcome, and my friends are more than welcome anytime.
7: There's chickens and Ozzy Osbourne. There's chickens. That's <laughs> <because laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> Old oh, metal, a scary combo
4: up here. Yeah. That's
5: right.
7: So I'm just throwing that. It. But, but I don't know. Anyway. Maybe it's a, a part two, but Seth came in saying that he had some pushback for us from the dealing with our shit part one. I, yeah, I it's gonna be part
2: three. Be part <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we covered it a little bit. It was one of those things where where I, but I'm so I, I'm coming at it from a pretty mystical standpoint. Sure. I truly do believe that healing is possible at every level. I think the question is how you know is there's this question of what do we want and are we willing to go where it is. I believe it's that every human being has a spirit. I believe that spirit is grounded in, in in something called we could call God or the universe, and I think that that has everything we we need to actually heal whatever is a, whatever is there. But but I think that the question then becomes of what did, what does it take to go to that space? I think a lot of our programming goes into this sacrificial relationship with some external deity, and that stands in the way of that healing. But I I, I you know I think that I think all things are possible. So so my you know I just think that uh, I think most of us would we actually have an internal system that says survive above all above all else and I think you hit on it really early that you said most people will heal to a certain point and then they go it's good, good I'm good and that and the thing is what I've come to understand in doing actual healing with people now is I kind of recognize like the most profound truth and the most profound love comes in the, in the respect of that where you go Okay, so this is 100% about what do you want. Mm. And, 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 and anybody, because there are people in this world that live at a higher level of consciousness than others. There are people, like a mentors of mine, where like, I sit under them and just go, you know, five minutes out of their mouth is just like, just pure, beautiful, healing wisdom. And you can see that they carry the scars. You know, have know, loose through that space and they're always kind of inviting people forward but they also have this deep peace with where you are and they have this ability to be with you where you are and that's the mm-hmm. ultimate truth I think but, but uh, I think all things are possible you know if we take Jesus seriously at all I think that we have to be able to at least acknowledge that, mm-hmm. you know, that there's something he's, he's speaking to, to that ultimately and so the idea that we have to kind of just deal with this shit I don't think that's necessarily true I think that that's okay though I just don't think it's
7: necessarily true mm-hmm. I think I land somewhere between you and Derek probably closer <laughs> we <suck> at least it's not going to Yeah,
5: yeah. <laughs>
7: probably closer to you Seth a little bit but I think sometimes when we define things it comes down to semantics like you know it was, like we've had some conversations Arthur where like <coughs> I'm like describing what I would call management you're like, oh no that's healing you know, and and sometimes like management and healing, like they mean different things to different people. Sure. So, so I l- last week we we didn't record. We just got together. I, I had like a like a a meditation analogy that I found helpful. Where uh, you know, in in the thick of dealing with your shit, trauma, acute somatic feelings, whatever. It's, it, it's like it's like your hands are in front of your eyes, and that's all you can see, and you're just blinded by oh, my my. That's all I can see. Oh, I can't see anything else. And, and some healing work body work meditation whatever you're embarking on can give you some useful tools to okay put your hands on your lap and okay there's there's more than just my hands, hands. but hands in my peripheral there. vision my hands are still on my lap mm-hmm. they're still there yeah. it's just that awareness that they're there i allow them to be there i don't overreact to them they're just there
5: mm-hmm.
6: that's when you realize there's, there's water right well chuck ass. Yeah, and then that's where I interjected is no, the healing is the aspect of your hands are no longer there.
7: Yeah, Chuck doesn't want his hands
6: on his lap at all. It, they're, they're not on my lap. Side. I don't have hands. Right. That's, that's healing. And it is a weird... Yeah. That's magic. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, what you're speaking
2: to is the that, is thing, that I, one side is blind, now I, I, I and on. see. Right? There's, and this, the thing is, any of us were raised in Bible stories, right? You're raised in these stories of tremendous power and extreme like, yeah. things where it's like, like one side is blind, now <clears> I see, and you've got to go... And, and, and we we're raised with these implications that there is this amazing thing possible. We never experience it. And so like, we we're raised with this massive cognitive dissonance at our core. Oh, God. So and, and, and there are a few of us, I think, I mean, there are people, I know people in the world where I've seen people that go, I'm willing to put that to the test. I'm going to make my yeah. entire
4: life about putting that to the test. We should have an interesting discussion with Arthur about that one.
3: part three
6: (laughs) wait part four and and, wait Russ will you please pray us out
0: lord thank you for oh fuck off Oh, and you thought it was over. No, it's not over yet. Some closing thoughts on the other side of this here bumper. Oh, yeah.
5: This is the rational side of me, I guess. The same side that I use when playing chess. it in the end, I know there's also the other side of me. acting the base of emotions
6: emotional sense of ability. I, so I
0: so I wanted to land on this really quick because I think some of the criticisms of a show like this, and it's it's kind of raised its head in modern philosophy today, and a lot of it, these colleges that are people talk about uh, postmodernism is kind of nihilism, right? Like it's just nothing matters, and it's irony. So so. They point to a lot of the writings of philosophers today and say that it just lands on irony. Like it's all and I even started with some of that in this podcast. I said it's like a Seinfeld episode, right? Like in Seinfeld, if you look at Seinfeld philosophically, you have people struggling with stuff and it never really gets solved. It just, that's funny. (laughs) That's, you know, and this old Newman, right? So you brought up the, Derek brought it, maybe we could land on this. So Derek brought up the, the, the point of, of humorous nihilism, and I pushed back on that a little bit, that, that says that, well, isn't humorous nihilism that? Isn't it just irony? So maybe unpack, wh- what do you mean by humorous nihilism?
4: I just did unpack it. <laughs> 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 can you, can you Welcome re- to broadcasting.
6: <laughs> can you re-unpack that? Yeah, can you re- un- unpack
4: Take two. <laughs> so i got to tap into that passion So uh, the basic idea of humorous nihilism is—I mean, the kind of foundation is that humans have been on this planet for ten thousand years, and have been passing down information for about ten thousand years, one to the other. Right. So
0: you grow up in a social norm, right? And you think that if I don't give my money to the well, more
4: than that, we've been working on this for a really long time, right? And. And if, if i don't volunteer
0: on child care there may be a pitchfork in the end in eternity as it may be, i'm, I'm, I'm it. sorry <laughs> anyway <laughs> shut up
3: i gotta shut up all
4: right go ahead this is gonna be fun to come oh, <laughs> 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 i right,
6: yeah. uh, <laughs> Shut
4: sorry uh, so we've worked on this problem for ten thousand years and right. everybody's come up with their own belief system they've come up with all these different beliefs and packages them together into a belief system that they then propagate through culture or religion blah, 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 philosophies, whatever they want to call it. Um, and with the idea that you put all these links to, beliefs together and they form this link and it's a pure link. right? It's going somewhere and there's no flaws from one and the other.
0: That's why we do purity groups. <laughs> <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs>
5: Russ, <I'm killing> <laughs> hey, this
0: is funny though. You're,
4: getting... You're punking me. <laughs> Go for it. I'm uh, sorry. I won't do it again. Uh... Yeah, and we and we try to make this continuous link, and nobody's ever done it. There's not an actual line of thought or a cluster right. of beliefs that doesn't somewhere along the line have an incongruency, something that doesn't work. Where, you, where logically you look at it, and you go, that belief and that belief don't go together. Like they're they're two main magnets you've turned around. Like, you, and so and the solutions typically culturally and historically has been, uh, yeah, well, don't look at that link right that one yeah okay maybe it's a little broken but we're going to pretend that it's not broken and we're just going to step over it see see, we're going to step around and step around into to the next link, and look all the links connect again don't remember right. you know isn't like, that kind of hypnotizing you don't remember right. that, that, that that was uh, and so humorous nihilism embraces that and says <clears throat> like it's impossible to have a belief system that explains everything that doesn't not make sense at some point
5: right
4: and, and uh, someone in the early stages of nihilism just a classic nihilist would say well that means nothing fucking matters uh, super fucking depressed and I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want just live off of my dopamine and serotonin desires right. and, and fuck you all and god is dead and I'm going to be super pissed about it uh, but as you advance through that and start to think through that logically you can get to the point of humorous nihilism where one that's really funny like that's hysterical That we've been working at this for so long. And there should be genuine joy at the beauty of that. Because there's beauty in flaws. And there's beauties in in, in incongruency has its own special type of amazing beauty. And so it's appreciating that and also laughing at that. Uh, Because it is is funny. But then going the next step and saying, well, that gives me complete freedom. Because I no longer have the expectation that I have to have a belief system that doesn't have incongruencies." So I can start to adopt different beliefs and try them against each other with no expectation that I will ever get to the point where they all have to linearly align. Because nobody's ever done it before. So why are we why why can't we just stop assuming that it's possible right. and come to peace in the fact that we are going to have beliefs that bounce off each other like magnets and are never going to line up, and 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 just relax into that freedom, and give yourself the freedom to believe whatever belief system you get the most healing out of it, you get the most joy out of it, you find the most beauty in. Uh, that's kind of like, isn't, isn't, isn't that a, Right, or that you inherited, or that you're comfortable with. It, it, and those are all variables that tie together and create that and that's fine because it's incongruent and that's what you believe in.
6: What uh, comes to thought for me is the, and we've touched on this a, a little bit, the dualistic thinking. So the dualistic thinking is, no, that's wrong. Right. Yeah, everything yeah, has then to then be it's black again. or white, right? And then, <clears throat> said it as about right. the, you know, everyone always then says, well, then there's just this massive gray, and we we'll, and I'm quoting you here is butchered, but it's no, there's a color spectrum,
4: Right.
6: you know, and so that's where you would fit all the in between, the different, black
4: and white is not gray, gray is in there, yeah, there's, all, all of the, all color the spectrum of gray yeah. exists between <clears throat> black and white, and, and that's. And that's where the, yeah, and people, you know, I feel like that's a fucking conspiracy theory. <laughs> somebody came up with gray. That's like, like, like somebody didn't understand that very well. Because they're trying to come up with the ugliest, like, like analogy they could. Oh, you fucking gray people, right? Yeah. Like, cause, you know, nobody really likes the gray. But, but the truth is between black and white is color. And that's where beauty is. Yeah. And that's where, and that's where the beauty and the nuance resides is in the manifestations of that color and you take one spectrum of light and you mix it with another spectrum of light and you get a totally different color and that's where the joy of life exists is not in the black or the white it's in the colors
6: just so you know there's only three colors i like some good
0: stuff right there. <laughs> drop
6: the mic. that's right drop the mic moment right there i have something up. no kidding <laughs> <laughs>